What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me today is another one of my mentees or the people I've like mentored or my friend, you know, like who cares? <laughs> they're, uh, they're all of those, all the above. Um, Jameson Elton. Uh, Jameson, how are you Hello. doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing how well. You? you know, it is very hot today. My God. Yeah. Yeah. How out. are you feeling? Like, um, how is it like in your house? Do you have like AC on? Yeah, it's I mean, it's pretty um, it, I'm wearing pants right now, so it's not like too hot in my house. We have like AC. Oh, and yeah, stuff. I'm wearing shorts, dude. But I haven't really gone outside. Really? Yet, I... So I'm not stay in. Stay kind of stay scared, inside, yeah. dude. Like, don't even go out there. It looks like looks like isn't it? It's going to I think it's we're hitting the or like I think it's going to hit the triple digits this week. Uh, I'm not sure when, but um, good old Spokane weather, you know, it's either too hot. Yeah. Too I mean, all I heard was that I heard at the beginning of this week that Thursday was going to be like really hot. Yeah. So, and it's Thursday. It definitely so. feels hot. <laughs> I don't know if it's been really hot, but you know, I'm from the Middle East. So, I mean, I haven't been in the Middle oh, East yeah. in seven years. So, <laughs> I don't know like if I'd be used to that desert heat anymore, but um, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I really do not do good. Yeah, me either. I sleep in the cold with the AC on. I like to layer. Yeah, me too. I like for it to be cold and like have a bunch of blankets mm -hmm. rather than. It, and you said hot. layering. Yeah, I like to layer. That's but I also don't like yeah. winter. I'm I'm in that boat with you, dude. Like I I all my clothes are for layering and for the fall. Yeah. But um. Yeah, yeah, I like fall and spring. Yeah, I don't have any like summer clothes. I mean, granted, uh, it's pandemic time. Why would you buy summer clothes? <laughs> so um, it's like. Yeah, I can't even go out True. and look nice, but I guess at work. Do you yeah. work, Jameson? No, but um, I'm applying at my first basket. Oh, soon. nice. Are, are you? Yeah, just for like a part time. It's like a courtesy. Nice. Course. Well, hey, a job's a job. Yeah. Um, but... yeah. And I love that story. Yeah. And so. Jameson, uh, for the people who don't know at home, um, who are you? I'm um, just a musician actor um in spokane mm -hmm. who uh i do running star i'm still in high school i'm 17 nice. um i'm at lc but i do running start so i'm gonna have my aa mm -hmm. but yeah i mean i'm just an artist and in, in the yeah community. what's uh running start so it's this thing called like dual enrollment where you can be enrolled in high school and then you can, like, for your last two years, your junior and senior years, you can go to a college, and the credits that you get at the college count for your high school mm -hmm. credit. So, like, I could take an English class at SFCC, and it could count for, like, my junior English class. Oh, cool. um, yeah, and so, but the good thing about it is that instead of having, you know, like, six classes that run throughout the year, there's the years divided. Oh, um, I know it's kind of weird that it's quarters, but that's because there's mm -hmm. also a summer quarter. Um, so there really is four, but in the school year, that mm -hmm. there's only three. And so you get to have three new classes each quarter. So it's not so like you don't have as much busy work. You really get down to the, the stuff you need that to do for the yeah. class. So it's really nice, especially for um, students mm -hmm. who really want to be independent it's like really nice because you kind of have to have your own work ethic because mm -hmm. you're in college classes. 
with professors, you know. That's dope, dude. Like, that sounds really good. It'll make college much easier for you. Well, yeah, and it's it's, uh, completely paid. Um, 15 Mm -hmm. credits a quarter, which is like three classes. And uh, are you thinking about uh, actual college? Like, um, or is that like too far out? (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I'm right at the place where I'm Mm -hmm. starting to apply. Um, I really want to go to New York, I think. There's, um, and I I either want to study acting or music composition. And so I think Latin School of Music, um, the new school, NYU, uh, Juilliard. I mean, all great schools, but you know, I'm, there's also other schools in New York that I'm Dang, not applying uh, But yeah, I think I definitely want to go to New York to study either music composition or Well, that's acting. dope, dude. Juilliard, too. It's like, oh, that's a that's a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> Hefty, yeah. But I, it's a yeah, lofty but hey, goal. you got to try it, dude. You can't like, you can't just like yeah. not do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, self-fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy. Exactly. Art, um, Art Pordias, um, who we still haven't had on the show, but we will soon. We're recording his episode very soon. Um, he, oh, yeah, cool. he, uh, he spent two weeks at Juilliard. He got inv- invited uh, as part of a, really? I believe it's a, it was a playwright thing that they were doing, like workshops. So he was there for two weeks, and then they invited him again. So Art's, Art's very familiar. Oh, with wow. <laughs> yeah, well one of my friends who was in um he was in west side story at the civic mm-hmm. theater when i was in it like mm-hmm. a few years ago uh he played bernardo for a portion of it um but he he actually studied dance at nice. juilliard so i've uh yeah he's pretty familiar with it and i've talked with him about it it seems like a really, it, really i mean it is one of the best um <laughs> one arts, of the best um acting schools in america so yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah what was that i was i was thinking about like studying um like voice Mm -hmm. because i'm a singer and i was gonna i was wanting to study like contemporary voice but they actually only teach classical voice and like opera at juilliard so that was i wish they had like a popular voice Mm -hmm. category but they don't because they're just so good at all things music and dance and acting that yeah you know I wish they had that, but um, yeah, they they just have classical yeah. and all. Um, have you ever read uh, read uh, Linklater? Yeah, she's no, uh, she yeah, has a like a a voice. I can't remember what it was. I have it right here. Freeing the natural voice. So um, it is basically a lot of exercises hmm. that you can do um, to help with your diaphragm and uh, voice and stuff like that. We used a lot of her methods when I was studying at Gonzaga University. Um, yeah, it's it's a really cool, I haven't read the book, but I've done a lot of her exercises and they've helped me with projection a lot, I think, and learning about projection. So I gotta, okay. I'll, I'll loan you the book sometime. Uh, maybe you might be into that. Okay. And then you mentioned NYU, um, Kayla Fontana, who was on the show, she's going to NYU. Yes yeah i love her i'm very proud of her like uh yeah that's a really big achievement i'm proud that she got it like um you'll have to listen to her episode and how that happened uh because it's a really funny story (laughs) yeah and then jameson like (laughs) 
so how do we know each other then? Because like the, you're not the first you're not the first minor that's been on this show. But I gotta like remind people that I know all these kids. <laughs> I'm not just like I'm not going off the street and like, hey, kid, you wanna be on my podcast? You know, like we 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 know each other. Yeah. So, like, how do we know each other? Well, I'm pretty sure I met you in the lobby of Spokane Civic Theater. Was it when you were like assistant directing for um, Wonderful Life? Or we, did I meet you before? So here's two funny things. Um, we like officially met each other um, for 13 the musical. I like going to the academy shows for support. Okay. But before okay, that, yeah, I I've that. seen you perform in the playwright forum thing that they do every year. Was Did you see me perform in the one where the one dom directed or did you see the one um, forever ago it was the one that i did that daisy else did okay yeah that was yeah cutting she's gonna beauty. be on the show too i'm <laughs> trying to get all the kids Funny that show. i mentor on the show and there's a reason for that but we'll get into it in just a bit but yeah well that was yeah, a really but here's experience. the thing though i've met you three years ago <laughs> without even knowing it so you mentioned west side story um I was there yeah. when we were doing the one show that I don't talk about on this podcast, but not for any reason specifically, but I just never mentioned it. I was in Psycho, Psycho Beach Party by Charles Bush. Yeah. And you were oh, in yeah, it. Yeah. So, okay. So you were in the, you were yeah. in the green room. So it's so. kind of wild that like our okay. paths have crossed <laughs> three years later. Well, and because the reason for people who don't know, the reason that we would have seen each other is because there's a studio theater and a main stage. And while West Side Story was going on mm -hmm. on the main stage, uh, Psycho Beach Party was going on in the studio theater. And so the casts would have the same dressing rooms and green rooms while the shows yeah, were going on. It was so, like... But yeah, that's crazy. I didn't... Yeah, you were... I, I mean, I knew you were in that, but I forgot. I just didn't think I, of it Me either. Now. I think I just saw your like a picture of West Side Story pop up on Facebook one day. And I was just like, is that... Yeah. Is that my boy? Is that, is that Jameson right there? And like, you were like itty bitty. Well, <laughs> I don't think you were that small. I think like most of the people that were in that show, like even like the, the young kids, like they was... looked like adults. <laughs> it was like, it was very odd. Yeah. Yeah. I think me and me and Logan West mm -hmm. were the youngest, uh, youngest Jets yeah. in the show. Because I was, uh, and we played the youngest characters anyway, because I was A-Rap and he was mm -hmm. Baby John. It's because, it's because both of you so. are hella tall, dude. That's why. <laughs> All right. We are. Um, so guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World, where each and every Sunday I sit with a guest, an artist, uh, a wayward traveler, wherever, and uh, we talk about a person they're thankful for. It's based on Jared Petty's podcast, A Pocket Full of Soup. Um, I really love that podcast. It enforced a lot of positive mo moments in my life. And it was a very important podcast for me. And I felt during this pandemic, we needed something similar. Um, so Jameson, I brought you on the show to ask you the que one question I ask each and every one of my guests, who's a person or someone you're thankful for? Well, I kind of wanted to go because I've been thinking about this. I kind of wanted to go like off the cuff and instead of mm -hmm. doing a person, I wanted to kind of talk about um, like yeah. something I'm thankful for, and it's it's sort of uh, broad, but I think we can yeah. dive you into it. You want to go against the grain um, like a, of wayward artist does, you know? <laughs> go, I love it. Go ahead. Um, well, I just wanted to talk about because it's something that's impacted my life a lot, and just uh, music. Yeah. Um, 
you know, even just listening to music has impacted my life a lot in the last like mm -hmm. two years. Um, and, you know, different music endeavors like being in choir at school or, um, you know, the different kinds of music you can sing in musical theater or you can, uh, you know, sing pop music or jazz or mm -hmm. anything really. So you're thankful for all music from the beginning of time. It seems like <laughs> well, yeah. that's a, that is really broad, but I'm very like excited to get into it. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, like, tell me when, well, uh, what, what's the first song you've ever heard? What do you think, like in your, in your recent, like, like your first memory of music, like, what is that? Okay. That's a good question. Um, I think, I don't know if it's the first song I ever heard, but the first song that I ever sang for an audition or like memorized so that I could sing was um, Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead from <laughs> wow, Wizard of that's Oz. It. That's actually how I got into theater because um, it, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but at Woodridge Elementary and I think Indian Trail, like elementary school, they would do Wizard of Oz, like alternating mm -hmm. like every other year. Um, and so I would get to do that. And like the first thing I did was I was a munchkin and like, a, what are they called? The yo ho. The, um, I know that. Well, oh, the, is it? Oh, like I, or whatever. let me be honest with you, Jameson. I, <laughs> ever since I was a kid, I never liked Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I've seen it one time and I'm like, I get that. This isn't my, this isn't my jam as a kid. So like I, I know who you're talking about yeah. right now. It's a little cheesy. Yeah. But... I mean, like, hey, you know, I um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's fine. I I like the guards itself. <laughs> like, I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. So keep driving that conversation. Yeah. Well, I was I was just a you know I was like in second grade and I sang this Ding Dong the Witch is Dead song and then I realized I actually really like mm -hmm. theater. So I auditioned for some shows at Spokane Children's Theater. I think one of them was like Lion, the Witch in the uh -huh. Wardrobe. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then I eventually sang Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead and got into my first show and then the rest is history. Look at that. So. Like, and that song too. Who would have thought? Like, um, yeah. what what was so important about that song to you, do you think? Like, like there's, like it could have been Over the Rainbow or... You know, um, if I had a, I if do I love had that a brain, song. like, you know, the ones that, you know, um, but like, Ding yeah. Dong, the wish is dead. Like, why, why was that song so important to you as a kid? Do you think? I think it's just because it was easy and, and it was what I knew. Cause I had played mm -hmm. a munchkin. So, you know, I think I just did it cause I knew it, Yeah, and mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, it's Ding Dong, the witch is dead. Yeah kind of special you know yeah i mean like when you're in like especially like during that early time in your life like um and how it's impacted you as yeah. a theater artist uh and how it kind of started your yeah. path towards theater I, of course it's like yeah special it's kind of a unconventional <laughs> thing to start with yeah but it's cool that's like unique that's a cool like um party starter whatever you call it conversation starter <laughs> yeah um so from there 
what happens with theater later on in your life? Like how else is, uh, have you been in more musicals? Have you been in more straight plays after that? Or um, like kind of go from there or like what happens after that audition? Um, okay, well, I got, so that show was Adventures of Dr. Doolittle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I played an alligator <laughs> who was lonely and wanted another alligator. Um, but ever, and I, I had like a few songs, so I really got to know what it was like to like sing a song by myself on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point, um, you know, I just remember coming into the re- the first rehearsal and being like, I'm so scared. I don't want to have to sing a solo, but then, you know, everyone's so welcoming and, Mm-hmm. and it's just a it was a great community but um from that point I just did more shows there um that year I think I did like Junie B. Jones and a few others but um I think everything really started to get like more serious when I did Les Mis at the Civic Theater mm-hmm. um that was really cool because we had a director who was from uh he actually played Jean Valjean and Javert as understudy or actually playing it in the tour mm-hmm. or like various tours. And and so that was really cool because I got to look up to him a lot and like, you know, I'm really thankful I had that experience because um, it, it was a hard show to do, you know, as a kid, but also to have someone who's very inspiring was, was really beneficial, I think. Mm-hmm. So Les Mis was pretty much, I mean, like, sure, um, Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead got you started, but, like, um, Les Mis was probably the musical that made you want to take it a lot more seriously, you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I was having a lot of fun, and, you know, not that it was just a hobby, but, uh, you know, it w- definitely wasn't, I was just a kid, so I wasn't really thinking about, like, a career or anything yet, mm-hmm. but, um yeah, when I got into Les Mis, it was, it was like, I was really excited because it was something I had put my mind to and like, did some hard work to, you know, and, and so when I got into it, I, it felt like that work had paid off. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's such a, you know, everyone knows Les Mis, but, and you know, sometimes I think it's like, some people think it's a little like overdone but it really is a beautiful show i mean it's overdone for a reason uh it's a it's yeah. a good show <laughs> it's like uh yeah. it's like when people say uh oh that's so cliche or something like that but like it's cliche because people love it you know like people yeah. adore it it's not like something being cliched it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing um it's just the way you approach it is what will make it unique in your own um yeah when i talked about this i'm not sure with who but um i was just talking about like you know finding your voice and they were talking about Mm. how in their playwright course or whatever like they had a a teacher who who basically like refused like told them like you shouldn't be writing um personal stuff because like it's so Mm. overdone you know, like you, you have to say like everything that you write has to be a unique story. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And it's like that is the most stupidest thing I've ever heard, because each and every story that you experience, even Les Mis, I think it's based off of 
like it's based off of a lot of the stuff that happened in the French Revolution, I believe. Um, I could be wrong. I'm not a historian, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, some of the events um, that transpired are real, but like the story isn't. Yeah, uh, necessarily true. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, your story is your story, um, and mm -hmm. and it's unique because it's coming from you. Um, whatever device you use, like it doesn't really matter as long as you, it's, you're honest about it. Like that's that's what is important. At least that, that's how I. Uh, how I've come across like finding my own voice in like arts and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I find that a lot of artists struggle with the idea of like, not like, especially artists who create and not just like, cause actors, you know, create characters, but they don't create the material. Mm -hmm. um, and so people who create material, like, like playwrights or, um, you know, painters or anything i find that that's often the struggle of like wanting to create something new yeah um there's this show sunday in the park with george that um in the second act um george is that's actually one of the things he says because um dot says to him are you working on anything new and he says no nothing new and and he's really struggling from that and i think that's something artists struggle with a lot. Yeah. It's uh it's definitely interesting because I do agree with you on that. A lot of artists like want to find the next big thing. And I think a lot of them just worry about mm -hmm. either immortality or um like fame, which at least when I approach art, like I'm not worried really worried about either of those two. Cause Me neither. I, yeah, I I know I know fame and uh mortality will come. Like when I did I, I believe I mentioned this on the show before, but I, when I did Dog Sees God, I didn't do that like so it can be famous or anything like that. There was a message in the show, uh, in that show specifically, that I wanted people to hear. And so it was important that the message was said, like the story of the, the play was said, rather than, oh, yeah, this, this play is going to be really famous or, uh, or something like that. Like, yeah. I feel like um, I always have to have like a mission or reason behind why I'm doing something or why something is important. And then you kind of go from there. Um, if you go into acting thinking like, Oh yeah, I want to go on Broadway one day. It's like, get in line, bro. <laughs> Everyone wants to go on Broadway, you know, like, but yeah, <laughs> what's going to make you unique as an artist. It's um, like figuring out why you do what you do. Do you know what? Yeah. Do you know why yeah, you do what message. you do Jameson? Like at 17 right now, do you think you have, have that nailed down you mean like yeah. for me no for you or for other like, people do you know why you love music or do you know why you want to like either be a composer or uh an actor even like do you do, uh, do you think you might have an idea of why you want to do that well yeah i mean yeah well there's this quote um by miles davis who's a mm -hmm. jazz trumpeter um, who's like really prolific and a lot of ideas about jazz. And um, he, he was in an interview and he said, someone asked him if no one heard your music, would you still be a musician? And he said, yeah. And they said, why? And he said, because it's in my ear. I can't get it out. I'm hearing it right now. Like, so yeah, I think a reason why I love music is because it's, I think it's part of me. Like, 
I, you know, it's in my mm-hmm. ear. I can't get it out. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, um, when I did this podcast, it really came out of a need for, you know, directing. And, you know, whenever I direct something, I ask people mm-hmm. questions or, you know, I bring my own perspective to the table. And, you know, that's what I kind of get to do on this podcast, you know, like just talk to interesting people. Um, the reason why I have so many of the mm-hmm. kids I mentor on the show um, is you don't really see a lot of kids talking like philosophically on shows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's uh, when I, when I did my playwright form and we're going to do it, Jameson's a part of it. Uh, one day we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When I, when one I day. wanted to do it, it was about harnessing the next generation of artists' voices and letting them know that, Hey, your artistic voice matters in this society. And it doesn't really matter that, you don't have this worldwide experience. It doesn't matter that you're just a kid, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you have a perspective on the world and it deserves to be heard. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Yeah. So when really I did important. this podcast, I was like, you know, let's do that for um, the people I'm mentoring now, like having you on the show and learning about, you know, why music matters to you and like, what do you want to do with that? I think that's exciting. Um, it's definitely going to change <laughs> if, if anything in your life, like, well, maybe <laughs> not your love for music, but like maybe the way you approach music or yeah. How I love music. Or even how I... do you like, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about the younger generation or your voice? Um, do you feel like um, you're heard enough? Do you, do you... Um, I think I've been very fortunate um, to have people in my life that have let me be heard or like have put validation mm-hmm. in my opinion or um, my thoughts, you know, n- not even just as an artist, but as a human. And, you know, that's really, I've just been really fortunate. Unfortunately, I don't think everyone is that um, fortunate. Like I've had really amazing parents who, you know, would take me to rehearsals or will get me voice lessons or dance lessons or, um, you know, if I have an audition in Seattle, will go, you know, drive me eight hours to get there or whatever, um, or five hours mm-hmm. or however long it is. But, you know, I've just been really fortunate to have people that have, um, you know, seen what I have to offer and not um like devalued it or mm-hmm. you know just because i'm young yeah um there's no time for that kind of negativity with a kids you know like if a kid's gonna show me like yeah bro, the next you, you are the next generation you're you're <laughs> or who's gonna be yeah, bro, leading gonna the be, world well, it's gonna be you and me i'm not that old you know like i'm <laughs> i'm 27 like i'm <laughs> i'm start i'm still very young you know i just <laughs> yeah only yeah we're yeah, 10 years so apart like, think about that yeah, we're That's not, not that um, much. the way I talk about the future generation and harnessing that energy. I just want to like be clear. I, I don't think I'm like ancient right now, <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's crazy that your mom drives you to Seattle. Even 50. What, what was that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's mm-hmm. just a random example. Oh, I said, oh, yeah, dude. I mean, old. Maybe when you're like 10, yeah, 50s hell old. That's what I used to think. I think I'm I'm getting at a place now at my age where I'm like, oh, older people are 
pretty cool. I can actually like hang out with somebody that's like 40 or 50 years old where when I was like probably in my early twenties or even my teens, I'd be like, eh, what, what, what do I have in common with this guy that I can talk about? Like, does he know all the latest memes yeah. that are going on? Like, does he know TikTok? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think that um, going back to kind of that question you asked me about, like, what do I think about the younger generation and like maybe mm -hmm. how much credit they're given? I think part of my uh, being able to connect with adults and, um, you know, not be seen as like just a kid who doesn't know anything is you know I think I've kind of always been sort of an old soul and um especially being in the theater I think I've always kind mm -hmm. of had older friends and you know even especially be doing shows at um a community theater that's not just directed towards kids um theater arts for children was or Spokane mm -hmm. Children's Theater was um you know, I've made lots of friends with, like, that director and, or not necessarily friends, but, like, um, just yeah. mentors, maybe. You know, there's lots of adults who um, have been very beneficial in my artistic, like, yeah growth, you know. I've learned a lot from, you know, some people I think about are, like, you know, I was in Gypsy and there was, um, I always really admired Kim Berg and, um, you know, these people who are really uh, known in the Spokane community, like, uh, like, you know, Patrick McHenry Crutch or, you know, just people who are, um, who really know a lot about like the theater in the community and that mm -hmm. can be really helpful um to someone who's coming yeah up i'm glad community. that um you have that support network for or, i guess i was i was thinking of uh tommy okay. when i was talking i don't know about who Gypsy. tommy is uh but i'm pretty sure yeah um there's the joke that i make with all the spokane people here is like uh if i don't know this theater artist uh there's probably a person we probably know somebody <laughs> you know it's uh guys it's, it's that small <laughs> the, this community and you know i yeah. i do love how small it is but also i kind of don't like it how like how small it is <laughs> like it is small but it's mm -hmm. also pretty vast like i mean less now but like when i was you know because now i'm like a, a lot more involved in music mm -hmm. than i was then but you know i was really lucky to get my put my hand in like a bunch of different pots you're okay <laughs> sorry oh uh, nice hey jameson's brother oh that's cool. thought i was talking to him. <laughs> all right keep going bro keep going um but oh what was i saying oh i put my hand in a lot of different pots and i've just been you know there is a lot of uh like different theaters and stuff in the theater community here in spokane um and while it is really small it's also yeah, bigger than I you mean, might think that's true too but i think for me anyway it's more i'm ready to kind of branch out 
and explore the horizons out there because I've seen it. You know, I've like I've been in like, um, you know, we talk on the show about uh, the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival and just how big, uh, how many theater artists there are in just this one small region. Mm -hmm. And talking to people, even on Zoom and stuff, like during this pandemic, like in LA, in New York, in India, and mm -hmm. um, Poland, I've talked to, like, like I've sat on seminars like that. And I'm like, dude, there's so many people out there. And I guess that's just me being, uh, you know, a wayward artist, uh, the traveling theater company for wayward artists, uh, the theater troupe. The traveling part is so important because you're reaching out to people that, you normally probably wouldn't even get to see <laughs> in uh, just being in like one area. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for your next step though. I think you're going to, once you get into that New York or, you know, even college, like even if you don't, if you, even if you don't end up going to New mm -hmm. York or something like um, you're going to have like your horizons are going to be so open. It's going to be such a culture shock <laughs> for you. Uh, I'm very I excited. Know. Mm -hmm. I've been when do you think it. you'll go go to college? Like, when is it? When's the time? Well, I have one more year of like to get my AA mm -hmm. slash graduate high school. Um, after that, I think I'm just gonna go. But the thing is, it's it's never cheaper to live in New York than mm -hmm. when you're going to colleges, like when you're starting college, because there's a lot of resources, and so that's why I want to go and to new york like to college in new york because you know if i just tried to go to new york without going to college it, it you know might have you thought about successful. chicago um i mean i've mm -hmm. i've thought about it there's a really good school mm -hmm. there called roosevelt have you um, have you seen uh college. depaul yeah i think oh, i got dope. a call back from them it's a really good school and i i actually I uh, I think I got an offer from oh, Oklahoma yeah. City, which I have a few yeah. friends that are going there. But um, you know, but a, a lot of these opportunities of callbacks and like offers and stuff was from the International Thespian Festival, um, which is like something in Spokane where you uh, you can apply in tech or like. You can do a duo scene or a solo or a monologue or a group scene or a group song or whatever. Um, and then you can like go to state and then you can go to nationals and um, it's for thespians. Um, and so I, I've done that um, and I've made it, I've been a national qualifier a few times, but, um, but yeah, this year, they did it virtually because of obviously the pandemic. Um, but yeah, so we got to like take workshops and stuff. And one of the big things for juniors is that you get to do college auditions at the Thespian Festival, which is usually in like, mm -hmm. I think it's in Nebraska, um, where, you know, 50 schools will come and you can audition for them all at once instead of having to, you know, go to these mm -hmm. states and audition. But I just recorded a video of me doing a, a song nice. and a monologue. Um, and then they uh, contacted me for a callback or just to talk and mm -hmm. ask questions or whatever.
yeah, yeah what you're describing really cool. kind of sounds similar to what the kennedy center does for the colleges uh, uh is it like it's uh, it the, the kennedy center thing? american college theater festival um it happens each year um each region has their own like festival uh the one in washington is region seven uh i was a part of region seven with gonzaga um they've been around for 50 years <laughs> i think i that's what my button says here i got a 50th anniversary button from them um it is <laughs> cool. a place where you get to do the irene ryan's which are like acting scholarship that is named after the gal who was in uh Hill, Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies. Um, yeah, very weird, but you know, um, it's a very competitive uh, scene, and it's kind of like what you're saying. Like they compete at like the state level, I guess, or the region level, I guess. And then whoever wins within the region goes to finals in Washington D.C. at the actual Kennedy Center. Yeah, um, yeah it's a it's a cool festival. Oh, cool. I don't know if. A lot of colleges do it because whenever I mention it to other co- people who go to college, they're like, "What?" <laughs> um, but no, it was always <laughs> cool. I got a certificate of merit for directing Dogsy's God in that. It was really good. Um, but cool. yeah, going back to music, let's go back there. Um, so, okay, it's pandemic time. It's kind of awful. I don't know how you feel about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how is music? helped you heal during this time or it did it has it like helped you heal at all well a little bit of both um so yeah i mean it has helped me heal a lot because i've gotten to um Mm -hmm. get better at piano um and also you know start writing my own music because i've had lots of time but you know, and also lots of time to listen to music mm-hmm. and learn about music and stuff. So, you know, that's honestly taken up a lot of my time. But um, one thing, because right when this pandemic started, I was supposed to be going to um, L.A. for the the Young Arts mm-hmm. Festival, um, which Young Arts is like a, a competition, kind of. It's like an adjudication uh, thing. For across all art forms, there's, uh, you know, there's acting, there's musical theater, jazz for instruments and voice, popular voice, there's singer songwriter, um, there's even painting and visual arts and film, and, um, you know, and they have all styles of dance, even like uh, Mm -hmm. traditional uh, styles of dance and so I applied for theater and popular voice and um, I got in the top 10 percentile of people who applied in the country um, for popular voice. Um, and so I was supposed to go to LA for the, it's like the, cause there's finalists and then there's um, honorable mentions and there's another one that's called, uh, I don't know, it's called something, but it's like the lowest level. And I got mm-hmm. into honorable mentions. Um, so the finalists go to Miami for a week and like learn and do workshops and perform for their discipline. 
Um, and for the regional programs in LA and New York, it's the same. But it's for all the people who didn't make it into the finalists. Um, and so I was supposed to go to that and um, I was going to perform and take workshops and stuff, but then the pandemic happened yeah. and I, I didn't get to How'd that make you feel? Like, how do you feel about that? Well, it sucked, but it wasn't necessarily personal because, you know, I'm not the only person who's experiencing things getting canceled because, um, because, you know, we have to make sure that everyone's safe and, and to not spread the virus, but you know, it, it did kind of suck and it kind of made me not want to be productive. And so, you know, I just, it was, uh, it was definitely a bummer. And I was supposed to go to New York as well um, and sing in a choir from, you know, choirs all over the, all over the country that we're going to join together. Um, I was going with my choir from SFCC. Um, and we were going to perform at Ooh. Carnegie Hall. Um, but, uh, that ended yeah. up getting canceled then, too. Yeah. It that sounds like, um, like I, I heard what you were saying about, you know, it wasn't personal, but it seemed like when, uh, you said, um, like it, it kind of made you not want to be productive. Like maybe to an extent, like it's okay yeah. to take it a little bit personally. I mean, whenever I lost, um, yeah. lost a lot of stuff, dude, I'm the, the playwright form. Uh, that was such a big deal, especially since yeah. getting a grant, we got a $3,500 grant. Um, <laughs> and we were able to pay you guys to like be a part of it. And so um, it was definitely hard like it was depressing. It was depressing because the, I put so much work into that. And um, I understand like why we had to delay it. I mean, why we had to uh, postpone it for now as, as the uh, uh, yeah. resident director of the traveling theater company for Wayward Artists, I made the decision. Uh, uh, but um, <laughs> like, I understand why we had to do it, but it, didn't not hurt any less you know what i mean yeah so it's okay if you felt yeah. sad about it i guess i just yeah well i definitely was bummed but i just felt like you know i'm not the only mm -hmm. one experiencing this it's not like this is just happening to me it's like everyone's having to yeah you know not you know cancel things and and also i was i was you know i had so much going for me i was i was about to be in um columbinus at the spokane mm -hmm. civic theater as well and that i'm surprised you know, they never took it online since it's a stage reading uh, that they were doing uh, that 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 production of yeah uh, it's a very it's a very sensitive subject and it's really hard um and so we'd need a lot of rehearsal to yeah. really perfect it because there's a lot of dark subject yeah. matter in that not even just to do with like gun violence well i think shootings. with a show like that anyway i don't know like how, how i'd feel with seeing a show like that in a pandemic <laughs> like it was with everything being sad yeah um, exactly. are you uh, do you play video games at all um, um there's a video game not really yeah there's a video game called the last of us part two um okay i, I think i might have seen 
some stuff yeah, on it's, it. Yeah, uh, it's a post-apocalyptic game, <laughs> and it came out this year. Okay, and I played it, and it's a post-apocalyptic game. And seeing that and being like, it made me extra sad. <laughs> but it was a good game. It was just like, ah, oh, man, this was such a huge bummer. I don't know why I keep playing this, but yeah. Um, I think we just need more yeah. uplifting stuff. I mean, important stuff. I think there needs to be definitely stuff with like a message and acknowledges the things that are going on. But I'll... yeah, well, but especially oh, oh sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say um, like stuff that's important that has that talks about the stuff that's going on. But I think there's a way to do it in a light lighter tone, you know, without yeah. Well, in the cast of um like me and a few cast members have talked and it's we've said you know things like i don't know if we should do this coming right out of covid because it's not very lighthearted. like people aren't going to want to see something so mm-hmm. you know that's a downer because it's an important message but you know coming out of such a dark time you know we don't want to add to that too much but i think we definitely will like want to do it just maybe not right out of the gate you know it's a very oh yeah i mean heavy show. Uh, especially since it's t- uh, it's about columbinus like that's uh it's not a walk in the park well actually um it's about columbine but the that's only oh. really the second act tell, tell us about it because I, I i guess i'm not really as familiar as i thought i would be <laughs> of it well it's let me, uh, I'm going to pull up, I want to see what's written by, because I forgot his name, but I, I think he wrote, he wrote Rabbit uh, Hole, I think. Um, looking. There was another show at Civic they were doing. Oh, it's uh, Stephen Karam and PJ mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, I know. Um, oh, David Lindsay. Okay, no, that's not him. Uh, no, I, I think I'm... Oh, yeah, David Lindsay. Yeah, he, he's wrote the one who wrote that. Hole. I don't know if he wrote Columbinus or he was a part of that. Well, who wrote okay. it was Stephen Karam. Oh, Stephen Karam. Okay, that one. Ah, uh, my my theater cred. They're doing oh, another show at Civic. Yes, it is. It I think was... it was in the upcoming season. Ah, now I can't remember because I know it now. I know what the like. I know the people that were in that show, um, the humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The humans. I was, that was yeah. the show, guys. We got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got it. Um, so the show is it's very hard to read, not just because of the subject matter, but because a lot of it is like kind of back and forth like the first scene opens up and it's like TikTok, like wake up and everyone's saying different mm-hmm. things and it's kind of staggered um because there's eight characters and they're all like in their separate worlds and but they're all like waking up and getting ready for the day so it's kind of hard to read and make sense of but um mm-hmm. on stage it makes a lot more sense so the first act is set up like um it's set up like just an example for any uh high school in america and this show is based off of surveys and and interviews that they've done with 
you know, children in high schools across the states and also interviews with people who are mm -hmm. survivors of Columbine. And, you know, we're part of the before, mm -hmm. during and aftermath. Um, and so there's lots of research that went into this show. Um, but the first act okay. isn't about Columbine. It's um, it's sort of a representation of any <clears throat> high school environment um, where in which has the possibility for okay. a school shooting. I, mm -hmm. um, so there's eight characters. Um, there's five men and three women. Um, the so there's Freak, who embodies Eric Harris in the second act. And there's Loner, who embodies Dylan Claybold in the second act, who are mm -hmm. the two shooters from Colorado. Oh, wow. And then there's also, um, I mean, I don't want to spoil everything, but there's also Prep and Jock. Um, and there's a bit of a... The, the idea is that they have these labels, but they don't really fit into these labels. This is just like what the high school model, like mm -hmm. social norms are. Um, and, and so like, you know, prep and jock are both bullies to freaking loner, but, um, you know, prep secretly has a crush on jock and jock isn't really like a brainless, um, like, athlete he actually you know has a lot to say and is pretty smart and so they're just struggling with these uh labels but also the audience doesn't know that these are their labels like in the in the program it just says like it doesn't say prep it would just say jameson elton you know um so they don't really know like who these characters are cool. they just know their names they're just like that's actors. and then the the women are rebel um faith and perfect and you know so they kind of and oh and then there's one more boy who's ap who's like a really smart kid who has like some illness or something that doesn't allow him to be very athletic and so he kind of struggles with that um rebel you know is supposed to be this strong empowered woman but you know she isn't always strong she struggles with depression and um you know and doesn't isn't as powerful as she seems and you know perfect is supposed to be super innocent you know but we find out that she's not um and there's lots of there's lots of things that are discussed in the book you know there's or, or not book in the script um you know there's sexual harassment pregnancy and uh, self-harm obviously school shooting um there's you know like there's the you know pressure of um Mm -hmm. you know not being like having to like a certain person you know being straight um and there's just yeah there's lots of stuff discussed but 
but that's the whole first act is just kind of a like a make-believe world where um it's just like a representation of like schools in america I... it's it's honestly i'm not doing that great of a job at explaining it because it's very like yeah i, I mean it, it seems definitely very complex um, i mean you have all these characters and all this stuff going on and like these ex like these under yeah. layers of these characters that don't don't act like how they're supposed to be seen a scene mm -hmm. uh like from like yeah fr from first view um i guess you just have to see it <laughs> it's one of those uh you guys yeah of course i under really understand it but yeah but be careful oh yeah <laughs> when you um, don't see it and then this the second act uh just kind of explores like the events before during and after columbine um it it goes all the way up until present day at the end there's a monologue cool. which i was actually going to do um at civic but um that's like present day you know talking about columbine and the state of mm -hmm. school shootings in america and like gun control um but yeah so there's lots of like stuff about you know there's the tapes that dylan and eric made before you know there's the goodbye message to their parents there's you know mm -hmm. journal stuff that they wrote you know there's there's all sorts of stuff but it really ex it really explores like i think the in the synopsis for the show it says it's a it's a representation of the dark recesses of Oh, child adolescence that's that's crazy it reminds it definitely reminds me a lot of dog sees god have you ever read that play it's a it's an I interesting haven't. show <laughs> it, it kind of touches on or at least it kind of like touches maybe not as deep as columbinus but like a, a lot of those same issues uh but it's really focused on yeah one character who is charlie brown basically okay. he's uh it's the peanuts as if they were teenagers in high school i yeah. Oh, I'll really? Send it to you sometime. That's so um, cool. It is. Um, it's You're Riverdale, sure. basically. <laughs> it's like a your average moody teenager, uh, like yeah, teen angst. But um, I think it has a really good message in the end. Um, if you listen to some of the episodes, and I I don't want to go yeah. too deep into it because we already talked about it extensively on the show. Um, it is. It was an important show to do, and I'm very glad that we got to tell that message. Um, yeah. Well, and I'm oh, glad yeah. you got to have that experience. It seems yeah. like it was very important. It started to you this too. whole thing. <laughs> it kicked off. It kicked off uh, my direction <laughs> and what I want to do. You know, that's why I asked you um, why. Why do you want to do music and acting? Is because I guess for the longest time I tried to figure out. Like I, I tried to ask myself that question, or I had a friend who asked me that question, and I couldn't give him a straight answer. Mm -hmm. At least for acting specifically. But, um, you know, I, re I read books about trying to find, like, why you do what you do. Um, and Dogsy's mm -hmm. God was th the way in. And from there, we were able to figure out exactly why I want to do theater, which is, you know, I love plays that are about the human connections that we make with uh, ourselves and other people and how it affects the world around us and ourselves in ways that we probably wouldn't think about you know and then all my work has been revolved around doing just that you know and when i 
when I picked you guys for the playwright forum, I was like, I want you guys to have that same idea, you know? I want you guys to be thinking that way starting now. Um, so you're not in your 20s and you're, you're in your uh, senior year of college and you have no idea why you want to do theater. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think theater-wise, I love telling stories and there's been stories, um, you know, mm-hmm. in theater or in film that have really impacted me i know uh, so impacted you the most you know like in recent memory um a show uh, or like a film um we're theater artists so maybe you want to talk about theater <laughs> yeah i mean i think both oh, yeah. are for sure great i think i mean obviously sunday in the park with george really impacted me because it's, you know, and I've talked about this with a lot of my theater friends. Mm -hmm. It's like a tribute to artists itself Mm -hmm. because it's about artists. Um, It's about like the artistic journey. And honestly, that question you just asked me, like, why do you want to be a, like, why do you do this? Why do you love it? Like, that's what George Mm -hmm. is trying to figure out. It's a, and yeah, so that impacted me a lot. I Are only know one song that from that show, but I am very familiar. Uh, Is it that? finishing the hat? No, it's Is it finishing the hat. Bum, 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 bum. Oh, you know one of the good ones. <laughs> I mean, my professor showed it in class. Uh, a scene. Uh, it's so yeah, good. Um, it's like a rap. Showed it in class, and I was like, "Huh, I really like this song. I can't understand what he's saying because it was one of the older." Yeah. Yeah, because he's painting. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but um, uh, I have the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal version on my Spotify, uh, my Spotify playlist. Okay. Well, I would recommend listening to the original. I, I'll have to. to um, with me and music. It's also on YouTube, yeah. the whole like thing. Uh, the original production I, professionally recorded. I'm a musical snob. Is on there. You know, I feel like I have to see the show live to get that experience. And that's why I have not seen... Hamilton like well I saw Hamilton I saw Hamilton on Disney plus but for so long I have not I've refused to see Hamilton uh or listen to uh listen to the whole soundtrack I only listen to like one or two songs um because because I feel that I very quickly got tired of it really like when it came out yeah because you know all my friends and I were like listening to that only and you know, while I still loved it, I was like, I yeah, it's uh, hype will get that way, you know. Like the Hamilton hype was real uh, when it was out, so I I, I can yeah. understand. Have you seen it live? I haven't seen it live. I've seen it on Disney Plus, and I saw the bootleg yeah. for a um, ago. Oops. <laughs> um, well, I think we all should see it live sometime because um, theater is meant to be seen live. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about yeah. these Zoom plays, uh, Jameson? I'm, I, I have a soapbox that I haven't like. Actually, haven't. I haven't mentioned on this show yet, but I want to know how you feel about it first. So you I haven't. haven't seen any. The only one I've heard about is that one at SFCC that okay. I think Emma York was a part of. Um, but I haven't seen it, and I haven't yeah. really seen um, any of them. Yeah, keep going. I haven't. 
Yeah, I don't, I'm not really familiar with it. I don't know. I mean, what I think about it, I think that it would be mm -hmm. hard to do and like, so, yeah, I don't know. Do they literally just do the whole so thing on Zoom and save it? Let me get on my it? soapbox right now and tell you. Um, Art invited me to his, uh, I believe it was his thesis uh, show that he was writing for um, his master's. He's he's getting two masters. He's getting an MFA and an MA, one in creative writing and the other English. I don't know. I forgot the, the other one. Art's going to eat my my head. I was going to say a bad word. <laughs> but um, let's see. So he invites <laughs> me to the, the Zoom show. Oh, my God. And first thing, I go in there. Those people are hella rude to me. Um, I think it's because I used my legal name uh, to get in. And I signed up with my stage name or, like, my preferred name. And they couldn't put two in. Like, my stage name and my hmm. legal name are it's – it's a different first name. Same last name. And they were just talking smack while I was still in the room, I thought they were going to kick me out. I had me and Georgia Kittredge on there. Uh, Georgia, uh, as you guys know, my apprentice. Because um, I was like, you know, you need to, like, we're working closely with Art. So I want you to meet Art. And I thought they were going to kick us out of this thing. And then Art had to be like, no, no. Uh, Sid's, like, we graduated. Like, we went to the same school. And first of all, like, so. Uh, well, and they didn't they say nice. anything. They didn't even apologize. Um, so I, I, I had really a bad weird. mood <laughs> going into this show. Um, but then I see his play. And here is the problem with Zoom plays, in my opinion. It is not theater. When you go to a play, in my opinion, it's, it's the interaction that you have or the response and the commitment that you give to that person on stage. <laughs> and being there and being in the moment for it. It's different than film, where film, you're looking at the editing, <clears throat> you're looking at the direction, you're looking at all the other stuff that's going on. In the... yeah, yeah, and that's a completely different, different art form. Because you have, I mean, like acting is one thing, but you also have like angles and, you know, just general yeah, so cinematography. The one thing that theater excels at, which is that human connection, it, it's not there on the Zoom. Yeah. So, yeah. And well, so you're no. only watching a movie, um, basically, of two people on a. It's but, yeah, like poorly like, done. My, my film brain then goes on, and I'm like, man, these graphics are really bad. <laughs> you know, like I, they're using like this oh weird green God. screen. And I, hey, I appreciate it. You know, like I, I respect the, the green screen usage, but the, it was not executed correctly. And, like they had to restart it too, yeah. and it's a ten-minute play. They had to restart it, like the beginning part, because there was like glitching or something like that. And then I, and then I just felt Weird. like I wasn't engaging. I was on my phone. You're never on your phone when you see a play, you know. Um, True. So it ruined that experience, and art even yeah. felt the same way. It, like it wasn't what he had anticipated because. They were rehearsing that show. They were going to perform it live until COVID hit. Um, so that's been kind of my taste of like Zoom plays. I've also did uh, I have this stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with Spokane Theater Arts Council Stack. 
Have you ever heard of those guys? I might have heard of them, but I'm Yeah, not really uh, they're doing some too good familiar. work. I would look into them. Uh, that's that's their whole uh, that's a whole other Okay. <laughs> show, but um, I did their Zoom shows, and like, I felt the same way. You know, like I, I think it was done a little bit better, but yeah, I, it just doesn't work for me. And Stage Left uh, right now, Stage Left Theater is doing auditions for their show. Like they're doing like online, sh like. Is that the one Marley's directing? Uh, the the one on the one on stack is Auditioning the one that Marley directed. for? Um, I wasn't part of hers. I was part of a different group. Okay. Um, but oh no, Marley's great. We're gonna I get love her on her. the show. <laughs> um, but I haven't invited Ooh. her yet. She doesn't know. <laughs> um, but I want her on anyway. Um, yeah, She's and the so greatest. it was that. Um. Yeah, I just didn't like it. And Stage Life is doing like their own thing now. They're doing something else with online plays. And I'm like, Yeah. I mean, that's like understandable though. Cause I mean, even when like before seeing it, hearing, you know, Zoom play, I mean, it doesn't sound Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's going it's, to go great. I, I mean, Anne Bogart You know? uh, talks about, talked about this, uh, people's anxiousness of getting back into, uh, like doing art, like, oh man, I have to do art uh, during this coronavirus. Like I have to like get into it and all that. And she didn't really like this anxiety at first, but um, someone described it to her. Um, the reason why people are doing uh, all this art is because they're mourning for what they lost. You know, it's like, Mm hmm it, yeah, they can't do it anymore. Yeah. So they, they feel like they have to find a way to do it. I felt that way too. Well, yeah, and I, I feel like because a lot of times, you know, these things that we're struggling with or, you know, this energy that we need to get out, a lot of times for actors, we get it out on the stage, you know. And so, you know, being or like maybe not getting specific things out on the stage because that might not Mm be -hmm. responsible as an actor, but at least getting that like energy out. It's like a need to to get up on stage and become a character and act, Yeah, you know, and we exactly. don't have that right now. And so it can be really hard because, you know, a lot of the things we're used to being able to do, like going on stage and um, performing and kind of getting into that mindset, you know, we don't really get to do. So it's, Yeah, it can be hard. exactly. Um, going back to music, because um, we haven't talked about music in a while. I, I think like the broader topic, it definitely is a, a change of pace. Because <laughs> like, <clears throat> usually we're talking about uh, one specific thing for a while. And we talk about other things on the side, but um, music is interesting for sure. Um, let me see. Well, it seems super broad when I just say, oh, I'm thankful for music, but like truly, truly music is like, I think one of the biggest parts of like my life and you not even just now, like in the past seven years, you know, because I mean, and There's also so many people in music that have, you know, that I'm thankful Oh, yeah. for who have inspired me. You know, my voice teacher, I'm super thankful for, Mm hmm uh, Stephen Mortier. He's, you know, been really helpful in, in, in helping me mm hmm have a healthy voice 
and also being able to like maintain that and know how to have a healthy voice on my own so that I can maintain that, you know, like right now when I'm not having lessons. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for that, but I'm also just thankful for the language of music and being able mm -hmm. to express myself in that way. And, you know, being able to understand, you know, mm -hmm. other people's expression especially since I'm a musician, so I can kind of understand like the inner workings of music and not just hearing it in, because a lot of people hear music and, they're, and mm -hmm. they think, oh, that feels good. Like that's a feeling, like you'll hear something mm -hmm. and you get a feeling. But, um, you know, then there's musicians who will hear something and there's a feeling, but there's also like a technical aspect to it. And it's like, you know, musicians can appreciate other musicians' work because mm -hmm. of how musical it is, as opposed to just it, it sounding good. But I do think that feel like how a certain chord feels or, you know, is almost more important or definitely more important than, like, mm -hmm. the music theory. Yeah, I... Music's great, dude. I my my experience with music, it's it's an interesting relationship. Um, are you familiar with uh, the music laws in Islam and Saudi Arabia? Yeah. So no, you know, not. to an extent, music is such an important part of the Arabic culture. There's a lot of like different instruments and stuff like that, mm -hmm. like the tabla and the oud, where they all came. Like it's like a, a sitar and you know bongo drums, like they call them uh, the tabla, like stuff like that. Um, yeah. They uh, originated in the Middle East, um, but in theoretically in Islam, like in the Islamic code, uh, music is haram like you're not muslims are not supposed to be listening to music at least that's where where i'm coming from yeah. anyway in my experience with it it's uh sinful to listen to music but you know i never really uh listened to that <laughs> listen to that rule when i was a kid i, I would i'd be listening to music rap um i joked with murphy uh, who's on the show um you know murph er, murphy um yeah, One of he, my good buddies. I told him like Love that kid. Uh, he reminds me of a '90s skater kid, and let me tell you, um, that would have been me as a kid. Like I'd be this little skater dude, even though I like. But he's also yeah. just a little. Oh ball yeah, like Murphy specifically. But I'm just talking about style right now. Like Murphy's got that skater style, and that's what I was trying to achieve in Saudi Arabia, but mm -hmm. I couldn't because it's very conservative over there. So um, <laughs> I, I, mm. I was trapped. Like I, I was this conservative kid, tra like on the but on the inside I was a trapped skater boy, and I would listen to rap, uh, some '90s, uh, early 2000s stuff. Um, let's see, but like you would get like clerks, um, these the sh like that enforce like Islamic law and stuff like that, um, coming up to me and being like, "Hey, you gotta stop listening to music right now," and. You know, as a kid, yeah. as an obedient kid, I would stop it. But, like, if they ever came up to me now, I'd just turn up the music louder. <laughs> you know, like, I, like it's, it was so crazy. So music wasn't really something that inherited, like, like enriched my, uh, my own perspective of the world. Like, I would just listen to music. But it, it's mm -hmm. not like you where it's impacted you. It was more, I'm listening this, to this music, like, passively instead of really, like, getting into it. 
Um, a lot. Yeah, because a lot of people like there's a difference between like what you were talking about passive mm-hmm. listening and active listening, where it's like mm-hmm. just background music as opposed to like actually sitting and like listening to each part and hearing, you know, hearing the drums and the bass and you know the the lead vocal, but also the background mm-hmm. vocals and the harmonies, and then the piano or like the keyboard or the synthesizer or any other instruments that or the strings or the horns you know there's lots of different parts but you know you don't really hear that when you just are listening to like the overall thing and it's just Mm -hmm. like background music and that's where you get into a lot of like oh i like this song because of just like how it sounds overall Mm -hmm. it makes and how it feels as opposed to like oh i like this bass in this one part and I like these notes and these chords, you know. It's, exactly. It's just a different um, it, You can make that same argument for any kind of art, too. Like, uh, uh, listening to anything or yeah. watching anything passively, like, it, you, you'll, you'll get what you get out of it. But, like, once you, like, dive in and, like, really, like, just, um, yeah. Start to speak that uh, language. It's a whole other experience. Um, how is music, like, what, and what other ways has music impacted you personally? I mean, it's just brought a lot of, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of joy, um, but also like a lot of, uh, a lot of place to go. Like, you know, a lot, I, a lot of times musicians Mm -hmm. get stuck in a rut thinking they're like, oh, I'm playing the same things over and over. Um, but you know, you can always keep growing mm-hmm. in music. You can always get better. And, you know, I've only been playing piano for two years. So, you know, I have a lot of place to go. And so that's, you know, that's a, that's one of the ways it's impacted me is it's given me a place to, like, you know, not just stay stagnant. I can, like, keep mm-hmm. learning and keep progressing. Um, why the piano? out of all the instruments like i know you just started two years ago well i also i also play guitar a bit but um just because well first of all it's a really easy way to learn music theory um and it's you know you can play chords like you you don't just play like with a saxophone you can just play melodies like you can just play one note or strings you know you can play like multiple notes on that but it's a little bit more limited when you have just like four strings or six strings as opposed Mm -hmm. to when you have 10 fingers you know and so it's just like i think i just pick piano because i just really love the instrument and i think it's just like the most conventional way to you know, that I can actually write yeah. music on. I, yeah, I mean... You know what I mean? Like, you see it on TV. That's uh, kind of where a lot of people... Whenever you're seeing, like, music class and stuff like that, it's always on the piano. Or, like, you know, kids starting out with music, like, they're always practicing on the piano. Um, piano is beautiful. I wish I had the discipline <laughs> to teach myself piano. I mean, I tried yeah. like, three years, four years ago, I had a little uh, digital keyboard that I was like, yeah. oh man, I'm going to like really get into this. But mm-hmm. 
never happened. And I think it's like when you get older, it's like you have specific things that you want to focus on uh, and work work towards that you mm -hmm. um, have already developed. And so I was focusing on that more rather than picking up something new. Um, it's That's why this podcast has been really easy to do because I think it, it feels familiar, but it's something new. If that's if that makes sense, like, you know, talking like I said, when I'm directing, I'm talking to people, I'm asking questions. Uh, I'm I'm also picking the guests, you know, like people who might work well on this show, uh, like kind of like an actor, like yeah. I'm picking an actor that might work well in this play, you know, um, like mm -hmm. it, it, it's brought that feeling back. So, um, uh, yeah, outlets and stuff, super cool. I love it. Um, I also feel like I'm learning a lot from you, which, um, yeah, like seven, Thank like you. seventeen, like uh, kids and stuff. Like you, you, a lot of people don't think like they they can learn from kids, and or at least from my perspective, anyway. And I kind of want to show people that like that's wrong, man. I I feel like it was kids who really pushed me to uh, yeah. want to be a mentor for people. And that's like really not a helpful way. Mm -hmm. of thinking or teaching because you know you gotta like learn as much from your students mm -hmm. as they learn from you exactly but also like authoritarian like teaching i just don't think that's like a very positive way mm -hmm. for kids to learn and that's something uh an artist jacob collier talks about a lot um he's like a jazz musician but uh he talks about how he learned music um, from his mother um, who, you know, never told him you have to do this, you have to do that. And rather just like let him have a open space to engage and like learn and kind of explore. And I think that's, that's a better way of, of learning rather than like having things so set in stone, you know, especially for something like music that's so, um yeah all over i mean uh for like whenever i approach mentoring or like when i apprentice georgia like um i'm showing her things that mean a lot to me and i know that i have changed me and i want to do that with you too dude like i know uh, we haven't like connected on that level at least not yet um with the playwright form and everything like that but you know i want to show you some things like i want to I want to show you, like, you know, yeah. college doesn't really have to be something that you start right away. Like, there's some cool stuff that I know people have done that um, they kind of started that out first before they go to college, you know? Like, I want to share that with you. I want to I want to share, like, because I don't know when I'm going to get kids. <laughs> I want a kid, like, one day. Um, <laughs> but I want to pass on what I've learned to other people, whether it's young ones like you guys or um, – older people too i mean i hope older people like what i'm doing i mean am bogart does um do you know am bogart well guess what i've heard the name hang out with me and you're gonna know everything about i'm bogart she, <laughs> she is one of the most <laughs> prolific theater artists of the 21st century she and i'm not even exaggerating this this is what people say about her she is she is amazing like she is phenomenal she is one of the best theater artists i'm sorry i know ann bogart is probably listening like hey ann um sorry to brag so much about you but i i truly believe 
like the work that she's done for the theater has been so important. And when you go to college, you'll probably learn about her more because her, her work is really hard. It's, it's easy to read, but it's dense, if that makes sense. Like it's um, easy to okay. understand, but it's hard to practice what she's saying. Um, yeah. But uh, I threw it at Georgia. You know, she's 16. She's a junior in LC, uh, Lewis and Clark High School. And um, I think she's getting it like slowly but surely but um yeah i think there were moments where she was like what the heck is going on what's she saying <laughs> um it's a hard book but <laughs> it's definitely i I, re yeah. I totally recommend her to you um i'll, I'll have to share her work with you one day yeah cool. um, I'd, I'd be exactly um, I actually on my journal i i have one of the quotes that um that meant a lot to me um it's where it's, she says, you can't hide. Your growth as an artist is not separate from your growth as a human being. It's all visible. And it's like, and you got to like, you hit me right there. Like, I feel like I was hiding, but like, Anne Bogart, you know, she found me. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, it's super weird. I know. But like, like, she, she hits you in the soul, man. Like, I don't know. Like, she says things and you're like, you felt that too, Anne Bogart? Like... I'm get damn like I don't feel alone right now, you know. And that's what I want to be for people, dude. Like, like that's what I want to be for other people. I want like I want to be cool. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just like yeah, not not. Hey, Sid, you're. I think you're cool. Yeah, no. <laughs> all right, no, all you right, are. Right. You're the cool. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> dude, she's amazing. Man, Bogart, I, uh, man. No lie. Um. But I don't want to go too deep into it because this the show this episode is not about her; it's about you and your music. Um, we should be wrapping up pretty soon. Uh, Anchor doesn't like us to go over two hours. Um, usually, yeah, dude, I love it. I love talking away. with you. I think you're great. Um, yeah, usually this is the part of the show where I'm like, uh, okay, guest, pretend I'm the person you're thankful for. What's one thing that you want to say to that person? But I wonder how. Okay. What I think I can probably spin it differently since uh, it's pretty broad. What is? Well, I mean, you could ask. Okay. I mean, do whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah that's what you have I'll to. Do. That's what acting is all about, dude. Um, let's see. What is one memory you have of music that's changed your life, like on a personal level, like that has impacted mm. you so hard? It made you like reassess yourself like you know there's for me it's movies like there's some movies that you know changed my life like Anne Bogart like her teachings like honestly dude like they changed like they uh shaped the person that you're talking to today like without her book without the support of my mentors like my theater artist mentors at Gonzaga like I don't think I would be here you know um and then there's like my mm -hmm. dogs. Like I remember one memory and I'm, I'm going to save my dogs talking about them when potentially we do a, Oh yeah, we're going to flip it. And we're, we're going to talk about who I'm thankful for. <laughs> um, but like my dogs too, like they, they changed my life. Like I would not be here. Like sincerely, I would not be here without this, that kind of support. So do you think like music has ever like was there a moment in music like a memory specifically that 
changed your life? I mean, and it doesn't really have to be about music. I know like we talk about music and stuff like that, but like if a person like right now, like that we haven't talked about, like comes to mind, like, uh, and you have a story about them, like feel free to talk about that too. Okay, well, I definitely want to talk about a film that's changed my life in a second, but um, some, like, definitely when I discovered some of the music that Stevie Wonder has written mm -hmm. and recorded and produced, that definitely changed things for me. And that was, like, recent in the past, you know, two, like, the past two <laughs> years that I've discovered him. Or not like not that I didn't know of him before, but that I've actually like How's it deeper. changed you? It just I think it changed my idea of like musicianship because you know, on a lot of those albums, you know, he wasn't just singing, he was playing the piano and doing some of the drums, like on uh Talking Book, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. he did a lot of the drums on that. Um and, you know, just his, just the sheer songwriting, you know, he has such mm -hmm. innovative ideas and it's just, I, you know, you can hear a Stevie Wonder song and think, oh, that's Stevie Wonder. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, immediately because it's almost like a, it's like a genetic thing. Like his, you know, his genes mm -hmm. are in his song, what? you know, and there's almost like a. I don't know. You can just sense that um, he really cares about music, and he's just a very. What Stevie Wonder song do you like? My favorite song is um, "Superwoman," uh, but I also like, um, which is like "Superwoman" is like an eight long, eight minute long song. Um, it's split into two parts. Um, usually, people are more familiar with the second part. Um, but I love both. Um, but I also like, um, Lately and Do I Do, Golden Lady. Um, you know, there's lots, of, you are the sunshine of my life. Um, yeah. And I actually, I have a Stevie Wonder, uh, songbook that has all, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these songs. Um, with the chords in them so I can you know play a lot of these songs so I've learned Superwoman and lately and you're the nice. sunshine in my life so um that's dope I love Stevie Wonder I haven't seen a lot of his I, I haven't really listened so like have you done to a lot of his stuff but um I really appreciate the guy oh yeah well, I'll send Heck you yeah, some stuff yeah uh send He's me great. uh send me Stevie Wonder stuff and I'll send you Ambo Bright stuff <laughs> Yeah. Um, Perfect. I can't really think. You know, David Bowie for me has always been someone I'm, I love. Yeah. Um, and not just like his music, like the way he's, um, he's not afraid to adapt or like not adapt necessarily, but like, well, not just also like be being himself. himself. He's not afraid of changing, you know, like he's not afraid of, go like going against the grain like mm -hmm. he is truly uh, a wayward artist yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you get my yeah he yeah, exactly. um, he's had so much different 
kinds of music uh like almost different genres to like if, in some respect like yeah Yeah, that's and always so really admirable. i really love that i love his um androgyny as someone who uh you know i i, I love non-binary like things like i i'm not necessarily like a fan of like the macho man all that kind of stuff you know I'm a fan of the Macho Man, Randy Savage, but like Macho Man uh, stuff is like turns me off, you know, like manly man things. And, you know, David Bowie had Yeah. both of those. He had the androgyny, like the feminine side. He had the the manly side. And you could say the same thing about Prince, although Prince is, uh, yeah, Prince, Oh, Prince like is so he, good. he, he had mostly the same genre. I think David Bowie excels at um like going up beyond just one specific genre of music. That's Oh, true, Prince but is amazing Prince, though. No, um, I like not to, I'm not criticizing Prince. <laughs> like I'm oh not, no, of I'm course. just comparing the two of them, you know, like, um, Yeah, I find with David Bowie, um, I haven't actually gotten into his music as much, but I do like him. I find that he's a little bit pitchy, his voice, but, um, you know, he's... I I love Oh his yeah. whole like vibe and his whole his whole like you know what he puts out Mm there -hmm. and the message that he brings and you know a lot of his songs are really like like you were saying you know they kind of exceed expectations they're not like what you would expect or like Yeah. you know they're different he changes things up um but yeah I Yeah. think David Bowie's He's a really great. good artist. Super Yeah, sad that he's not I mean, here anymore. yeah, that's, And Prince uh, as well. yeah, that was before all this shit went to, to shit. <laughs> sorry, I cussed in front of, Yeah, cussed they in front died of around a minor. the same I'm time. sorry, y'all. I didn't, I, I said the, I said the F word in front It's of Murphy all good. and I'm like, ah, I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm probably, no, you, you should hear here's some of the the thing. things Murphy has said I, to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. you guys I don't are even kids know. though. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be the role model adult, like, you know, like, how dare Yeah. me? Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I think, oh, what, what did you want to oh. add something? Oh, no. Oh, I was just going to like, Finish what you wrap were saying. it up, get to the um, And then I'll... uh, lightning round questions. But do you want to add something else? Okay. Well, I mean, we can just touch on it really quickly. But another thing that um, kind of... shifted how I view music was discovering this composer named uh Morris Ravel he wrote I don't know if That you sounds know so familiar. Bolero it's a orchestral piece that's like really long like I think it's almost 20 minutes long but it um is basically just one giant crescendo so it just builds and builds and builds to the end and this like broke some of the things people thought about music where you know you have to have different dynamics it has to get quieter and louder and has to shift and he said why don't we just have one giant crescendo um but um he's actually bolero isn't what's impacted me a lot what's impacted me a lot is um his piano works um and he has this this album called mirrors um that's really good Um, he's a French impressionist composer, but 
you know, he writes a lot of like very mm -hmm. dense harmony. And so it's really like interesting to listen to. And if you've seen the, the film, call me by your name, uh, that, you know, the piano. I haven't piece seen it. When they're, uh, have you seen it? Now that you brought it up, you kind of look like a little bit like Timothy Chalamet. Like, yeah, like with the curly yeah, hair, sometimes. you kind of like have this Afro thing. Like last time I saw you uh, coming on, like that's kind of like <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Well, yeah, from 13. I don't know what your hair is like, now, um, but. Um... It's shorter, but he also ah. had very short hair in that movie. But um, yeah, that was the film that I was really? going to say has impacted me a lot um yeah i love that film and and the book is just oh wow I, that's a that's a surprising one especially with all the material in there that that was a, a movie that impacted you so much. well why, why do you think it impacted you well um because it's it's a curious film in the sense that there's not mm -hmm. really like an antagonist so the story is about the Perlmans, which is a a family who, um, it's a Jewish American family and French Italian family who um, have mm -hmm. a Italian villa. It's like a mansion on, you know, by the, I think it's mm -hmm. Oceanside in the book. Um, and, you know, this summer they go to spend this summer there. Um, and Elio, who's the his dad is a scholar and every summer he like mentors a, a, a student who is like a graduate student who's like mm -hmm. getting their PhD. And so this summer there's a graduate student named Oliver who comes um, and basically a love transpires between Elio and Oliver mm -hmm. um, that summer. And so there's not really like a conflict in the story besides just like, you know, sharing your feelings and getting turned down or like getting your heart broken, but there's not like a conflict. Like it's not like, like Batman mm -hmm. where there's like the Joker who like wrecks havoc or anything. It's just like, um, this story of, of love, but it's, you know, it, it changed for me kind of what it means to, like, it just changed, honestly, what, like, summer means to me, because it, like, in really just, like, living in the moment and, you know, not really worrying about anything. It's kind of, like, carefree, and mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of idyllic, um, and so... You know, it just kind of changed how I view like good memories yeah. and like nostalgia. Um, and so, you know, but it also changed like how I view like <laughs> like flirting and like that sort of stuff too. Because you should really see the film; it's it's really good, and the cinematography is like mm -hmm. amazing. They filmed it in Crema, Italy, mm -hmm. in this beautiful villa. And uh, yeah, yeah. But the book is, the book goes a lot more in depth because, um, and I could talk for hours about this, but the the film it's it, it's harder to understand because there's lots of stuff that like goes on 
like that you have to infer or like that is just like subtext. Mm -hmm. It's not like spoken. So like even when they're like telling each mm -hmm. other that they have feelings for each other, they're like not saying anything near like, oh, I have feelings for you. It's just like it's mm -hmm. very like vague. And so, you know, that's why reading the book is very beneficial because you get it's an Elio's perspective. So you get. Oh, a lot more yeah, I'll definitely have to look into it. Um, I only know really one thing about that movie, and I don't think it's appropriate for the show. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. I think you know what it is, but like, don't even mention it. Don't, don't oh, even say it. No, no, it, no, 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 no. Is no. it about I know a, what you're gonna say? I, I, yeah. I'm not gonna say anything, but it's about a fruit, right? It's about yeah, definitely. <laughs> but like, uh, okay, we're not well, gonna go any further than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then That's I'll cool. definitely check it out. Yeah, it's it's sort of a it's sort of a there's just lots Interesting of things. Let's just put that. Let's let's put a button on that right now. Anyway, um. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely like oh yeah, it's it's yeah. an R-rated movie. For sure. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, so. anyway, Jameson. Um, but yeah, I mean, oh, I didn't mean to cut it. Did you want to add one more thing in there? Because like we need it. Oh, it's okay. But um, but the reason I mentioned that movie is because Ravel, um, actually, one of his songs. It's like. I don't know. I'm definitely not going to pronounce it right, but it's like Une Bark mm -hmm. sur the Ocean or something. It's in French. Um, is is like oh. very used in the film. Um, and so it's, yeah. So oh, that's how that's I like discovered that. So you didn't know the movie beforehand, uh, like before the music, or was it the other way around? I I didn't know that. Oh, music okay. Before well, that's cool. Like, isn't it? Like, that's so interesting how that works. <laughs> well, yeah. But actually, you might know the song. Did you see Curious Incident of the Dog yes. in the Nighttime? So you know that scene where um, the mother is talking and the uh, piano came in? I think so. Um, I, think, I think I know what you're talking about. I Was it the, the Spokane Civic Theater's production? Okay. Okay, so then I yeah. cannot remember that music. It, it, it's, dude, like... It's okay, but... They, it was just like, I think when um, Christopher and his mother like mm -hmm. meet again or something and they're like talking or like something mm -hmm. is like getting resolved. They actually used that song oh, yeah. in, in that show. So I I, here's the thing. Um, piece nice of piece of trivia. The thing is, I, I can't even remember what day it is sometimes nowadays. <laughs> So I'm like, you're talking about something that happened, might as well have been 30 years ago. <laughs> it's, uh, that's how my brain works, man. A trauma. Um, but anyway, uh, we got to wrap it up here real soon. Otherwise, Anchor's going to kick us off. <laughs> um, guys, gals, and non-binary okay. pals, uh, this has been Wayward Artist in the Wayward World with Jameson. There was a really fun discussion talking about music, a little bit about theater, a little bit about himself. You know, like we had a fun time, but now we're in the most important section of the show uh, before the end. It's the lightning round questions. That's right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. It is five questions I ask each and every guest every single day. Well, every single Sunday. Uh, and, then, you know, we just have fun with it. <laughs> so, Jameson, are you ready to play? All right. Question number one, yeah. what would be your perfect day? I think my perfect day would be 
Hmm, that's like a really hard question. I think it would be just being in like Paris. Paris. Have you like been I would to, just Paris? Go to Paris? Okay, so you gotta like make no. it realistic and like a, a normal. Well, like a normal perfect Why? day. Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah oh, man, like here's where this, this, and this kind of like all line together. Oh, you're yeah, sequence, about, like, of a events, sequence of events. Um, like your ideal oh, day, okay. you know. Okay, so then I would probably like. I think it, something that would happen a lot that day is I would just see a lot of the friends that are really important to me. Like, you know, I'd probably hang out with like Dominic Betts and, um, you know. Emma York and I just I think I'd see a lot of people I'd be very social um I'd probably go to Method Juice Cafe and get like a nice breakfast um you know I think I would go swimming by the river um it would definitely be, be like a in like mid 80s <laughs> oh mid 80s degrees okay I thought you like when you said mid 80s I thought you meant like oh yeah it's, it's kind oh, of like the mid 80s man you know what I mean I was <laughs> No, okay. No, I'm talking about heat. No, that's a... past ninety. It might not be the perfect. No, that sounds day, dope, but... dude. Uh, the only thing that kind of sucks about that day is you didn't mention me. You didn't like hang. You don't want to hang out with me, I guess. <laughs> no, I do. That's all part right, of the right, social sure. stuff. Sure. Part of sure. seeing my friends. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just teasing you, man. Um, no, that sounds good, dude. Okay. I mean, like, not to. That's a uh, shit on the Paris answer, which is a good answer, but like that's anyone's perfect day, you know? No, I think I was just, I think I was just uh, feeling the I guess, call me yeah. by your name vibes. Just go to Paris. But I would love to go to Paris because, you know, a good, a good friend of mine uh, who I went to high school with actually mm -hmm. like lived in France, Claymore um, this past year. And she, she said, it's like, amazing there and that i'd really love it and so i've been yeah. like, looking at I, stuff I, a lot i don't know why but i feel really like into that. you could you would excel well in spain i don't know i like when i when i when i think about yeah, you yeah, i think spain i don't know spaniard but anyway we got to get to the next question um number two um what is your third favorite movie my third favorite movie would be Probably really? Fantastic Mr. Fox. Or, yeah, Fantastic Why? Mr. Fox by Wes Anderson. Because it's the... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's stop motion. And um, I just think it's it's a wonderful... It's just... I love mm -hmm. the colors. They're very vibrant. And the shots are very, like, specific. I, ju I just love his style oh, yeah. of Wes Anderson. Um, directing. It, like, honestly. anytime you see a Wes Anderson movie, you're, you're going to have a good time. You know? It is... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So good. He's coming out with a new one as well. Yeah. With Timothy Chalamet. You know what I'm talking about? It's called, like, the, it's called, like, the French something. It's about, like... I saw Isle of Dogs. I don't even know. That was my favorite. It's, I haven't seen that yet, but I've yeah. Oh, it's called oh, the yeah, French yeah. Dispatch. I know um, I've heard about it. Heard it through the grapevines, um, for sure. But Isle of Dogs, I can't believe you haven't seen it yet, dude. Like you like. Yeah, I know. I've been trying tonight. to. But 
<laughs> yeah, I will. Is, is it streaming anywhere? Um, I could be wrong though. Um, you can rent it, yeah. I guess. Um, all right. So, question sure. number three: How would I describe you? Yeah. How would you describe me? I don't even know how to answer that. Just um, go with your gut. You would just probably describe me as like, like you'd probably just say, "Oh, he's that, he's that yeah, singer what? kid who was in with the <laughs> maybe vibe. the hippie vibe, sure." But no, dude, you're you're a nice guy. Um, I think you're extremely talented. Um, you are probably gonna do. You're gonna do really well, I think. And when you when you go when you go up to I the so. when you go up yeah. to the Broadway. You know, and all that, and Juilliard. Just don't forget that you're on this show. You know, yeah. Don't, don't forget, forget me. You. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, don't forget me when I you mean, become a famous director, happen, dude. But like, um, this podcast is here, so I probably won't forget it. But <laughs> it's it's here yeah, forever. Forever. Um, and then you have a really cool aesthetic. Like, yeah, the hippie vibe, sure. But like, I enjoy I. Yeah, that's kind of a that sounds like bad. I it's more of like a a yeah, mix of many like things. 80s, like that's why you said 80s. I was like, oh yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Like got this like uh vintage vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I I thrift a lot of my stuff, but I'm also like I also skateboard and see- longboard. So I have a bit of like skater and yeah. 70s and like urban yeah, if, if i was like whatever 12 or 13 i'd probably think you're cool you know um i mean I, i'm 27 i think you're cool you know <laughs> um all right so question number four what's your favorite ice cream topping oh um whenever i go to like any like froyo mm-hmm. or like any ice cream place um, I know frozen. Sure, why not? Like ice cream. Like but... it, it's a frozen treat. Um, yeah, I love putting Ooh. boba balls. Yeah, dude, you weren't you know the first person. Yeah. Like they're not the, they're not the like, like the top. They're not the toffee ones that you can get. They're like chewy. They're the ones that like explode yeah, and uh, there's like juice like in the, the middle. Like tapioca, like bubble tea, like balls. You're talking about. Yeah, but they're not like the tapioca ones. They're like the ones that are just like a thin ball that have like juice in the middle so that when you bite into them, they just like explode. They taste amazing. But yeah, you can can get them at like ice cream places in there. You are the second person who said that. that. I don't know who said it first, but uh, someone mentioned it before. Maybe it was on Elise back in episode four. (laughs) Um, I don't know when this episode will come up um what episode is we have a catalog so this is being pre-recorded right now so this episode probably won't be out for a little while um i'm not sure where in the timeline it's gonna fit but i'll let you know um but no you're the second person who said that for sure because i was well whoever else said that i mean all the people on the show had good taste i think um yeah well what are those other um, other answers Oh man, I can't remember. Like I said, dude. <laughs> like I, I have a very oh, yeah, bad a lot memory. Of <laughs> and I've already recorded like probably 10 episodes, oh, yeah. 15 episodes uh already. So like I've talked to a lot of people. Um and then Jeez. let's move on to the next, the final 
The fifth and yeah, final question. Fifth question. The fifth and oh, final question. Yes. Um, oh. Left Twix or right Twix? Oh, I don't want to choose the wrong one. Why the I'm left Twix? Say the left Twix. Just because I can feel it. I can feel it in my chest. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the right one. an interesting one. choice. I mean, um, I, what about you? Murphy told me that uh, on his episode, and I said the right one because I, I'm right-handed. <laughs> Murphy got into it though; like he got into it being he was he totally bought the Twix advertisement of like, oh yeah, left Twix is better than right Twix like situation, and it was very fascinating. Very. So oh, well, I don't know. I think me. he said right, or or maybe he said left. I don't know. I again could be wrong. I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but I think a lot of people memory. make left twigs, though. So I think you're on the yeah. right track there. Well, maybe maybe it's a left brain thing. With your left brain isn't the left brain the creative side? Maybe. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It's not real. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know uh, which one's yeah. the creative side. <laughs> Perhaps maybe yeah. left brain. Um. I think I think right Someone brain is like a logical. Than us will probably tell us we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, yeah. guys, gals, and non-binary pals. This has been Wayward Artists in a Wayward World with Jameson. Uh, Jameson, any last words? Um. No, I mean just just oh, thank yeah. you for having me on and um, being so. Oh no! Such a gracious host. Uh, and also, you know, just I hope everyone mm-hmm. gets through this time um, and stays happy and healthy. You know, I know it's kind of a, it's easy to get, you know, sad mm-hmm. or lonely in these times. And, you know, just, just stay positive exactly. and stay hopeful, um, especially for these artists out here that are mm-hmm. out of work. You know, I hope that everything works out and that, um your art gets to be seen or gets to be made at least soon. Yeah. That was really kind. Very nice. Um, you're a really sweet guy, dude. Um, guys, gals, oh, and non-binary you. pals, uh, without further ado, it's been real. Yeah.